0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Archipreneur Now podcast, episode two. I'm your host, Heath Armstrong. Today's guest is a Hollywood director. Ooh-wee! He won the New York Film Festival Audience Choice Award when he was just 19 years old. Ten years later, he's still tackling his dreams. Find out everything about him and so much more right now. Here we go now. Who wants to get funky? Who wants to get a little creative out there? Which one of you want to get a little bit artsy now? Well, then get on with your bad self. All the way from Los Angeles, California, where the stars shine bright and the glamour meets the hammer. He's a director, he's a producer, and he's captured several awards, including audience choice at the New York International Film Festival. Put on your Sunday's best kids, because we're going to get funky with Sorab So Sorab, you are the entrepreneur now. How are you doing, man? I'm doing much better after
1: that introduction. (laughs) That was great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, man, I'm ecstatic to have you on the podcast today, and I I can't wait to dive into your story and all the phenomenal experiences that you've had in the film industry over there in the sleepless part of the country, uh, Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. But before we get started, I wanted to bring up the quote that I saw you post the other day, which is, every day is a bonus round. Slow down and enjoy something beautiful. Can you break that down for us
1: <laughs> uh, Twitter I knew it was I knew there was something to Twitter there <laughs> um, yeah. that quote, yeah, you know, I don't really remember where I was when that thought came into my mind, but I um had heard news of a friend of mine or a friend of a friend of a friend who uh, passed away recently much mm-hmm. much uh younger than you know. You would expect someone to pass away. At. So um, in that moment, we came up with the idea that, you know, after a certain point, like once you just start realizing uh, how valuable and like precious everything is, every like second and every day is is a bonus round, because like every if you just wake up every day and look at it, uh, look at life like that, you can appreciate so many things. Oh, it's uh, great. Yeah. And you live a much better, better life when you're grateful and happy, I feel like.
0: You know, I know, and I used to struggle with it, and, and recently I've been just on that train, and quotes like that, man, they just keep me going. So I, I thought it was an awesome quote, and I've actually got it written down and put up on the wall. Uh, Excellent. Simple and perfect, so I just wanted to bring that up. That's But, awesome. you know, you've accomplished a lot. I've looked at a s- whole list of uh, projects you've worked on on IMDb and, you know, the Silver Telly in 2013. You got Best Acting Ensemble, the 48-Hour Film Project, of course, Audience Choice at the New York International Film Festival, which is just you know a huge award, and then Critics Choice, Utah Film Critics. Uh, so, w- what's next for you? The the Oscars?
1: <laughs> that's um, that's always been <laughs> that's always been you know a dream of mine, obviously. But uh, thank you very much for all uh, all that research. That's awesome. Um, Uh, Yeah, you know, actually, my uncle is a filmmaker, and he won the Palmodore at the Cannes Film Festival um, in 1997. I was a little kid back then. And that, honestly, like, to have somebody in my bloodline win such an amazing award, um, uh, that's kind of what fueled me as a child to become a filmmaker. And that one award is the one little thing that I've, like, always had my my eye on.
0: Yeah. Um, So you got a taste early, and you wanted some more.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. I um I caught my uncle editing a film once when I was a little kid. Um I grew up in Iran and I remember uh, like in his house on the top floor, he had this editing bay that was off limits to anybody, especially children. And in the middle of the night, um I think we were staying at his house, a sleepover. Um, and I was very dark and I was supposed to be sleeping, but I had woken up and I was, uh, I wandered upstairs cause I was a little child, you know, just wondering like what the heck's going on up there. Why is it off limits? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I roll up to, um, this room where the door is open and I see my uncle sitting, uh, like further away at this computer desk and, uh, all the lights are off and I just see the glare of the computer on him. And there was this woman that was sitting next to him and, um, I just remember uh, like my uncle turning around and looking at me, and the girl turning around and looking at me, and the glare of the computer screen, which was some editing program, uh, was like shining on their faces, and I was just in awe, and then a moment later, my mom came and grabbed my arm and took me away. (laughs) 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 That was
0: described in some good detail there. I kind of felt like I was there.
1: (laughs) Right on. I still feel like I'm there. Yeah. You know, at this age. Um, But that was definitely one of my... My early, uh, early aspir- inspiring moments to do what I'm doing now.
0: Yeah, very cool. But okay, before we get into the core questions, Sirab, uh, we like to start the segment off with a little thing we call the breezy threes,
1: dun, and dun, it's just dun. so that
0: the audience,
1: yeah, <laughs> so the
0: audience can get to know you a little bit, uh, your creative side, and and things that influence you. So, what are your three favorite creative works?
1: Um, that are of my own or just in general. In general. In general, in general. Um, Well, I would have to say Braveheart. Yeah. Which was a film that really, really influenced me. I saw it, I mean, over 60 times I saw that movie. Um, So there's that. There's one of my uncle's films, which is called Taste of Cherry, Um, Which is the one that actually won the uh, Cannes Film Festival. And I remember watching that film and realizing, you know, seeing how simple it was, but how like errorless it was made in its simplicity. And then at the end of it, uh, just thinking, wow, like my uncle made this film. It was the first film of his I had ever seen. I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, Awesome film. It's part of the Zeitgeist collection. Um, And then a third one. I want to say some sort of a painting. But there's so many that I can't really pinpoint one. Um, you know, honestly, music uh, has been a real great influence, and I've been very fortunate to actually know some really great musicians and some awesome up-and-comers. And honestly, like one of my one of my best friends, his name is Cameron Rafferty, and he has this band called Cameron the Public. Uh, and I directed his last music video, which we yeah, haven't which we I haven't saw re-
0: that earlier. I was I oh. was on the verge of watching it.
1: Awesome! Awesome! We haven't released the music video itself yet, uh, but we uh, released some stuff, you know, in conjunction with it. So there's clips of it out there. But um, his music and his passion for going towards the music and creating it, and his uh, evolution since I've known him as an artist. Uh, so Yeah, those, very cool. Yeah, those three things.
0: Maybe we can get him on the show in the future.
1: For sure. Yeah, I'm sure he would love to.
0: Well, cool. Who, who are your three biggest role models or influencers?
1: uh well dun 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 my biggest three let's see here it's an obvious one my uncle honestly has affected me since i was a child so he's he's up there Um. Uh, yeah. and then i don't know man it's a tough one i've kind of i kind of just stuck to one like one idol
0: <laughs> no that's perfectly fine we can yeah just use them for all three
1: excellent <laughs> let's do yeah. that
0: uh, do you have a bucket list?
1: A bucket list of uh, creative things that I want to achieve before I go? hmm I do, I do. There's uh, one project. Um, it's a book. It's an ancient Persian fable uh, called the Shahnameh. And it's a really epic uh, story uh, about, you know, the world's first king leading up to maybe modern day. Um, but that's something that I really, really want to make. Um, and I would say that,
0: that's that's something that you've that you're creating.
1: That's something that I've been developing for the last uh, three or four years.
0: it sounded like something that came out of history from like two thousand years ago.
1: <laughs> it definitely is something out of uh, well, two thousand years ago. it's a it's a historic novel, actually. very cool. From about two thousand years ago. Um, so you're working on making a film for it? I am. yeah. We don't have the uh, – I can't really say too much about the project because it's so early on, and it's supposed yeah. to be somewhat of a secret. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we'll just say that that's part of the bucket list. And there's nothing else really that I'm attached to uh, as far as making-wise. Um, I definitely want to I want explore somehow. Yeah. Uh not necessarily in filmmaking exploration terms, but just life exploration terms. So that's like an end goal in a bucket list, I would say. And I'm hoping that film, uh, because it's such a grand, um, or well, such a grand venture, it can ultimately lead into any kind of a, another grand venture.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Every opportunity leads to more opportunities. So for sure. Um, can you give us a quick rundown of some of the work that you've already done in the past? Sure. So that you're um, working on currently?
1: Absolutely. I'm going to start with uh, the one that won the New York International Film Festival. That was a short film that I made in 2005 called The Beautiful Wind. Um, I made that film while I was in film school, but it was separate from film school. Um, and that did pretty well. And then I made like 10 or 11 short films in between. A lot of them were just training pieces that I financed myself. Mm-hmm. Um I was also hired after The Beautiful win, the success of that film. I was hired to direct this $8 million war film called The Camel Wars. And wow. uh, yeah, I spent nine months on the back lot um, of Universal Studios. We had a really nice office there. worked on the film, did a lot of pre-production, um, but the budget went up to $42 million and I was replaced with a much larger director. But that opportunity, uh, just being involved in that, like, you know, led into so many other things and kind of getting off the project uh, left me with a little bit of Income to where I uh, financed a whole lot of short films for myself to learn more, and then um, I made my first feature film called Blue Door, in two thousand and nine, and it had a very limited release. Uh, but now, after the success of my last feature film called The Freemason, starring Sean Astin,
0: yeah,
1: um, the Blue Door has kind of had some more interest. So we brought it back out and we've recut the film, and it's kind of it's in post production again. Um, so we're going to do a re-release of that film later this year, and I'm really really happy with uh, with that cut. So that film was called Blue Door, and then I recently did a film called The Freemason, which um, had a very uh, limited theatrical release in the U.S. Um, yeah, and-
0: Sean, you know, I saw a picture of Sean, and and I had not, I, I didn't recognize it when I first looked at it, because like you know, you think of the chubby Hobbit from Lord of the Rings, and uh, <laughs> he
1: looks good, man. True that. Yeah, you know he's uh, really he's picked up running. Um, he's got this organization called Run Third because uh, he's just running all the time, doing all these marathons, and he's running in, on behalf of other people, which is what his organization is about.
0: Yeah, very um, cool.
1: Yeah, and you know on set it was awesome. He had a personal chef come in, just making vegan foods because all he was eating was uh, vegan at the time. Yeah. Um, and it worked though. You know his his uh, his lifestyle changes have been working. So it's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's good to see him back, back and getting involved.
1: For sure, yeah. Uh, he just had another film open up called Mom's Night Out, which I think he filmed right after our film, um, and that one's done pretty well. It was a Mother's Day film, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but good stuff. He's doing well. So when
0: when you started, uh, and you kind of just went through, you know, a cu- couple of your beginning projects. Do you think it's harder to get started, or is it harder to keep going and, and continue to you know produce uh, quality you know production as you as you get through your journey? Or is there anything in particular that you have to master to be able to do either one of those things?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think in today's day and age with all the equipment and all the access that we have, it's very easy to get started making movies or making any kind of uh, creative work for that matter. Um, it's the being fortunate enough to be able to continue doing that. Um, you know, because I mean, a lot of it is luck in a way, but luck is a lot of that is effort, you know? Um, so you have to start and then you have to just keep going. And if you have some fallbacks or if you're not making money at, at your creative works, then that's when people quit. You know, if you're not making money and you have to make money and you have to pay your bills and you have to do those things that you just must do. Um, but if you can find a way to, like, if you're really just set, if that's your destiny, you've decided this is your destiny to be in, in the arts, then um, you'll get a your nine to five job. You can make it. Be in the film industry like as a pa or as a grip or i do a lot of first day like first assistant directing so i've done a lot of stuff for disney and a lot of feature films um but that's been my nine to five because ultimately i want to direct and i do direct um and hopefully one of these days i cannot do any of those other jobs and just direct like non-stop yeah uh, it's great
0: to hear you say that i mean even with all your success with directing that you're still out there and pushing and uh Yeah, Yeah. continue to do it. Like you say, uh, you know, you can make anything happen.
1: It's absolutely true. And the relationships you build and most importantly is like if you uh, know your destination, what you want to, you know, ultimately have in your life, uh, you can work any position or any kind of a job. But like everyone will sense the that end all energy that you have within you. You know, and yeah, and they'll pick up on it and you just build those relationships and they take you in different directions. I mean, that's how a lot of my, I mean, that's just how I've made two feature films now and I'm working on some more feature films.
0: Yeah, I think building, you know, when you build those relationships and, and you build that network, you know, once your network starts expanding, you know, there's no turning back after that.
1: So, yeah. But sure. well, what
0: what kind For of sure. habits have you developed yourself to kind of stay focused on that long term goal of becoming a director full time?
1: Kind of habits. Hmm. Good question. Oh, okay. Well, uh, you know, I um. I think that a lot of people who want to be filmmakers or maybe even have made films spend a lot of time in networking and that is something that turns into a habit very quickly, Mm -hmm. right? Um, If you're an, I know some amazing networkers and they make some amazing, amazing stuff happen. But I think most importantly, if you want to also be a filmmaker, like you have to, uh, I think it was David Lynch or somebody, I don't know who exactly said this quote, but they said, uh, don't network, work. Yeah. And so my philosophy has been like, my habit uh, has been to, Like if I'm not directing something, I'm going to go in first AD a movie or something like Mm -hmm. that, right, if I've got the time. So I've made a habit of just always working and even making short films. Um, Like I just got back from New York City shooting a short film that I'm going to uh, make one of my – as part of my slate, developing a little slate of feature films. And that short film, uh, just out of the habit of always wanting to work, is going to be a very simple – Short film that's in demand of the markets.
0: Yeah, and, and the film that won the Audience Choice at the New York International Film Festival, "The Beautiful Wind," that was a short film, wasn't it?
1: It was thirteen. Yeah, years. I saw that it,
0: it was in sixty-eight universities worldwide as an educational piece on short film. So that's pretty neat, man.
1: It was pretty cool. Yeah, it traveled the world. It was amazing because um, for a while I didn't even know how <laughs> you know how it was traveling. I was like, I was nineteen, I think, when I made that nineteen or twenty. Wow. Uh, And I got, I started getting these emails, mainly they started in South America, and um, I got some stuff from Brazil, uh, mainly stuff from Brazil, I was getting emails like right at the beginning, and it was these people asking to do like translations of the film, and uh, wanted to do like thesis write-ups of the film, and I I was just like, are you guys sure you're talking about my film? (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty interesting. That's
0: that's pretty cool success to to be able to reach out and grab when you're 19 years old
1: for sure it definitely uh lets you know you can do more yeah it lights
0: the fire and keeps you going so uh you know people Mm -hmm. reach those stages at different ages of their life and it's good for them to know that it can come when you're young or when you're 55 years old if you just keep trying you'll eventually get there though
1: that's 100 percent true so i agree with that yeah
0: man we get noticed because of our successes it seems like but but they're all, all the successes that we have are created on the back of our failures. And we learn from the best experience where it doesn't work. And yet most people only discuss the success and not the failure. Uh, what what failures of your own have you been able to learn from and how did they change you and your process over time?
1: Excellent question. Um, you know, I've had one big, I wouldn't call it a failure because I've never gave up on it, um, but just one big nail in the side, and that's been this feature film, Blue Door, which we're finally, you know, like really getting it out there this time around. But that film was a self-financed piece, um, and it, there was a lot of heart that went into it. We shot it in ten days. It was 118 pages, um, and we shot some really good, good material, but it never really got the justice that it deserved. Like for all the people who uh, dedicated their time into it. And the people who, uh, you know, the other producer who put her money into it. Um, and so for about five years, that film has kind of been sitting and, uh, the over, over the last like six months or eight months or so, I've been recutting the film, uh, to get it to what the distributors want. And I just realized since that five years ago till now, um, I mean, the main reason this film I didn't think was that successful is because the editing style, the pacing of it, um, just a whole lot of filmmaking technique got uh, slaughtered in a way in the edit uh, because I was so attached to one piece of work, which I thought uh, was going to be the one film that's going to really launch me in the world. Um, And so I was so attached to this film that I uh, really slaughtered it in the edit, I think. Um, And so... The reason I'm going off on this tangent is because I learned that uh, at some point in time, you have to uh, let go of these attachments to any uh, piece of work because as creative people, we uh, constantly just have new ideas knocking at the door and we just we just want to go after new ideas, right? Um, so we have to do something. We have to give ourselves deadlines and we have to release this attachment to the end goal. Uh, and We just have to release our work. And since I've adapted that philosophy, I've been... Uh, my my projects and the work that's coming to me and the, the few things that I've done recently that I haven't been able to release yet are just so awesome, um, and it's just it's because of uh these films I've made that I've been so attached to that have um, had negative effect.
0: Yeah, man, very interesting, <laughs> and it works the same way with uh, you know short term problems. Like if I'm working, you know, I do a lot of websites, and if I'm working on a website and it's been eight hours, and I'm still staring at the screen, and I can't figure out one stupid ass problem, you know, I can leave the house and, you know, walk down the street and clear my mind a little bit and come back. And, and all of a sudden, it's like, Oh, well, there's the idea that I needed. Um, Uh But on a long term base, 100%. Totally. Do you think that's the most important lesson that you've learned? uh, That's been a positive impact on your life?
1: Um, most important lesson I've learned. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a big one. Um, in terms of filmmaking, it's improved my craft a hell of a lot. Um, as far as life, actually, yeah, filmmaking and life and uh, I think are very like similar yeah. in a way. Um, it definitely has because my creations are much more, much less burdening to myself than they used to be, and so. It's a much happier life when I'm working and creating stuff. And, you know, no stress. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Definitely grown.
0: Looking back, is there anything else that you would do differently if you could start all over? In general? In general.
1: Absolutely not.
0: I love that answer.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Because you learn from everything. Totally, man. I, um... I'm so happy with where I'm at right now, because I just uh, like, on a personal level, the way I've grown from all the mistakes, and I've made a lot of mistakes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think much, much more mistakes than probably the average person. I've, you know, or I don't know if that's a fair statement, but but I made a lot of mistakes, and I'm just so happy because from every single one of them, I learned from them and that's like the coolest thing. Yeah, I mean they're so they I'm are happy. all
0: just another platform to launch, you know, future success off of and the more you make mistakes, the more you learn and and you just mm-hmm. improve. I mean, you grow as a person and and it's not a bad thing to make mistakes at all. So.
1: Absolutely. Unless your mistake is going to get you shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there are a
0: few mistakes you don't want to make.
1: There's a few, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I know film festivals provide a platform for everyone to kind of throw their creativity out there and, and to network and get discovered. And you know, any of our listeners that we might have, they're trying to get into the film industry. Uh, what, what role have these film festivals played in, in your life so far? How do you get the most out of them?
1: Film festivals are amazing experiences right when they're happening, uh, especially if you have a film in the festival. It's awesome. After the fact, uh, it's all about what you made of it while it was happening. So obviously if you have a film at a festival that's worth going to, then you should go there and you should network uh, with all the people who – with basically anybody who you know, can help you further your goal. Uh, and you have to keep in touch with them afterwards and you really have to learn marketing and publicizing yourself and, uh, how important it is to like use these credentials to boost your, you know, press releases or your website identity or, yeah, uh, yeah, you, you have to be a really good producer, uh, if you're making a film or have a really good producer that can, um, you know, take advantage of these accolades. Cause that's the only reason these things are good for is to put them on your resume to get money for your next project.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know you, you know, as a director, you work with, you know, hundreds of people at a time and you're making decisions constantly. Are there any people that work around you that if you remove them from the situation, it would make your life a living hell?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, As a director, you know what? I came with this philosophy that, you know, out of necessity, I basically learned how to make movies with, like, three people, Mm -hmm. you know? And they were good movies. And especially this last one that I made in New York, I realized how easy it is and simple it is to make a film with not that many people. Like, it was another three-person film in New York. Uh, But it it came out really, really awesome. Um, And so... There's a lot of important positions on the set, like the cinematographer is very, very important. Uh, but I can, I've also done a lot of cinematography, so if we remove the cinematographer, it may even make the job easier or quicker in a way. Maybe not easier, but quicker. Um, and the first assistant director is very, very important. But I've also done a lot of first assistant directing, and on most of my films, I am uh, keeping us on schedule and running the set anyways as a director. Yeah. Um, so I think it's very important uh, if you want to be a director or a filmmaker that you know like all of these vital positions. The only one that I wouldn't like yes, if there was no sound guy, I'd be that's the one that would really kill me. <laughs> I need a, I need a sound guy. <laughs> so that's the short answer. Yes, is there any one position? The sound. Yeah, we the all sound we department. all love audio, so. We love audio, yeah. we need it, you know.
0: If, if there was a young aspiring You know, student out there willing to put in the blood, sweat, and tears to become a director or to produce films or make their way through the film industry. What is one thing that you would tell them that they can do right now to get started?
1: Okay, that's a good one as well. That's a good question. Well, I would say I'm just going to say what I did because it was very, very, very simple. Once I had the. You know, back then, the five or six hundred bucks it was to buy wow. a really simple camcorder. Mm-hmm. I got two of my brother-in-law's friends, who were like seven or eight years older than me, uh, to be my actors in this film that I shot in my brother-in-law's house. <laughs> and I edited it on my Sony Vegas computer, and I actually submitted that to a contest on the internet. I got like second place. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was cool. I was like 14 years old or 15 yeah, years think old. Think about the
0: technology nowadays, too, and how easy it is to throw some clips on a Mac and create a movie.
1: There you go, right? Exactly. So um, I would say, you know, if you really want to be a director, then um, you got to just create a scene. You got to make a scene. You got to shoot something. You got to get the camera. And if you can't get sound right now, that's okay because a lot of these cameras have sound, but just to learn the technique. Like, uh, take two friends and shoot over the shoulders and cut a scene together. Yeah, You know?
0: Yeah, screw it, just do it. That's what Richard Branson says.
1: Screw it, just do it. Boom, Richard Branson, he's got it down. All right, so if you could spend
0: time creating something with anybody from the past or present, who would it be and what would you create?
1: I would... um, Oh, that's a good one. Again... There's maybe two people. I would want to create a film with Mel Gibson because I think he's an amazing director and producer. Oh man, I producer. love
0: I love all his movies. Apocalypto. Watch that again oh, the other night. Man, so good.
1: Incredible, yeah. incredible. That film kind of got lost. I know, know. I don't know
0: how, but man, it's
1: good. Yeah, he got he got ousted. Uh, and my uncle Abbas Kiarostami. Those two people. Um, and the projects. With Mel Gibson, I would like to create some sort of an epic film, perhaps the Shah film that I was telling yeah. you about. Um, and my uncle, you know, anything on the freaking planet. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Do
0: you, do you think that you'll be able to collaborate with your uncle?
1: Um, yeah, you know, I think so. We actually did, in a way, in New York. Um, I was working with him out there on that short film. So, and I, before that time, I hadn't seen him in about 25 years. So oh, wow. the last time I saw yeah, the last time I saw him, I was about five years old living in Iran. And then we moved to America. He stayed there um, and he made the majority of, of his films there, but now he shoots them in Europe and such. But uh, I stayed in touch with him through the phone every so often and um, didn't see him all that time until just recently he invited me to come down to this master's workshop that he was doing at Syracuse University for 10 days so went down there and that's when i saw him again after 25 yeah. years
0: you went down there and got a little bit funky
1: yeah man yeah. funky <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right Sarab, so rob we're getting close to the 30 minute mark so i got to draw into the closing questions here uh, but cool. this next question is by far the best and uh, i love it and all the answers are usually fantastic and definitely funky so if you had to battle godzilla how would you use your creativity or talents to defeat that big bastard?
1: I would hire a effects, uh, special effects artist to blow his ass up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like that, huh?
1: Well, I mean, you know, if we're using my creative abilities, yeah. that would be my de- that would be my delegating skills. <laughs> <laughs> I- I'd like to uh... see it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I could do it behind a computer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great.
0: For sure, man. So do, do you have any favorite advice, uh, resources, or even tools that you use that you think would be of value to our listeners?
1: Hmm. Well, um, if you are going to hire people to work with you on your film, let's say you're not going to do the three-person film crew thing, uh, just... Select very wisely because then those those are your smartest tools or your best tools that you can use as the as the people that you hire to help you make your film. Basically.
0: Okay, and how can our listeners find you or get in contact with you or any of your films?
1: Well, you can find me on the internet. Uh you can go to my website, which is serabmearmont.com, S O H R A B. M I R M O N T dot com. And that kind of has links to everything uh, about me. And then you can also uh, find me on Facebook and Twitter. And that uh, stuff is also on my website. So that's the one place to go.
0: Yeah. And and we'll put all of those links on artsynow.com in the show notes, as well as all this information from the show so that they can have easy access to you. So
1: that's fantastic.
0: Before we close, Do you have any suggestions on films that our heady and funky little listeners can check out?
1: Um, I would say that if you're the creative type, I would watch Enter the Void. It's a French film that I saw at Sundance. And that film is just, uh, it's amazing. But you have to watch it in a very uh, quiet setting and without distractions. So, yeah, enjoy. Well, Sarab, thank you
0: so much for being on today, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and contributing to this cause. It means a lot to me and all the listeners. And I wish you so much success in the future. And maybe later down the road, we can have you on again.
1: Sweet, Heath. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure.
0: And so just thanks for being the entrepreneur now. And always remember, Sirab, to keep it funky. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Archapreneur Now podcast for all the show notes and more information please visit artsynow.com that's A-R-T-S-Y now.com thank you
1: the music for this podcast was
0: provided by Shaky Feeling out of Ventura, California for more information please visit shakyfeeling.com Keep it funky!